We are going over chapter 14, which is of saving faith. So let's uh, pray and we'll get started. Father, we just thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing us to gather to study your word and your truths, Father. May you uh, be here with us as we study this and uh, open our hearts and our minds to your message and what you would have us learn, Father. May you be praised and glorified. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So... I need three volunteers. There's three paragraphs in chapter 14. Who would like to do chapter one? Chapter one. Chapter two. Dennis. Chapter three. I mean, verse paragraph three. I'm saying chapter. Paragraph three. Anybody? Paragraph three. All right. It is, yes, paragraph one. Each paragraph is at the top of each page. Oh. Somebody want to hand some of these out at the back? That'd be great. Thank you. All right, go for it. The grace of faith whereby the elect are enabled to believe to the saving of their souls is the work of the Spirit of Christ in their hearts and is ordinarily wrought by the ministry of the Word, by which also, and by the administration of baptism and the Lord's Supper, prayer, and other means appointed of God, it, it is increased and strengthened. By this a Christian believeth to be true whatsoever is revealed in the Word through the authority of God himself, and also apprehendeth an excellency therein, above all other writings and all things in the world, as it bears forth the glory of God and his attributes, the excellency of Christ in his nature and offices, and the power and fullness of the Holy Spirit in his workings and operations. And so is enabled to cast his soul upon the truth, thus believe, and also acteth differently upon that which particular message thereof containeth, yielding obedience to the commands, trembling at the threatenings, and embracing the promises of God for this life, and that which is to come. But the principal acts of saving faith have immediate relation to Christ, accepting, receiving, and resting upon Him alone for justification, sanctification, and eternal life by virtue of the covenant of grace. This faith, although it be different degrees, and may be weak or strong, yet in the least degree of, of a different kind of nature of it, as all other saving grace, and the faith and common grace of temporary believers, and therefore through it may many times assail and weaken, yet it gets the victory, growing up in many of the attainment of the full assurance through Christ, who is both the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. Thank you. <clears throat> so I'd like to start at the ending. The very last sentence of the third paragraph Through Christ, who is both the author and finisher of our faith. So I think it's important um, as we go through saving faith that that be the lens we look at, look through, that, that Christ is the author and finisher uh, of our faith. Um, what is faith? Who has a good answer? What is faith? Believing in 
the unseen. So a simple example of faith would be someone had been telling me, Cooper's Barbecue in Fort Worth is fantastic. And I went there for an early dinner yesterday, and they were wrong. But I'd had faith <laughs> that it was good. Um, there is a lot of false teaching these days about faith. And you've heard it said, if you, if you only had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could move this mountain, which is biblical. But what they will say is, if you just had enough faith, you could have this Ferrari. And you see this, this is just common teaching everywhere these days, that name it and claim it. Um, and so it's very important for us to understand what, what true saving faith is. It's not about us getting stuff we want. Um, and it's not manufactured by us to enjoy earthly things. So, starting in uh, paragraph one, at the beginning it says, the grace of faith whereby the elect are enabled to believe to the saving of their souls is the work of the Spirit of Christ. So if we start off with, with one of the very first words is elect. So who, who are the elect? This is a class participation class, so you need to just shout out your answers. What is the elect? Yes. Okay. From eternity past, who God has chosen, um, enabled. So whereby the elect are enabled. So they're not capable in and of ourselves. It's grace. So the first uh, verse it's going to take us to is Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not a, res a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. So, if we continue on, to believe of the saving of their souls is the work of the Spirit in Christ in their hearts and is ordinarily wrought by the ministry of the Word. So minister the Word. How will you hear? Romans 10 says, How then will you call on him who they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. So I know for me, I know everybody's story is different. So for me, I had, uh, we had just moved to Texas and we grew up Catholic and we said, you know, we need to meet people. So how do you meet people in Texas? Well, let's try going to church. And so we just, on a whim, went to this Baptist church. And there was a guest preacher that day, and it was like I heard the truth for the first time in my life. And so God used that. And that person that was actually preaching that day is our own Ted Sally, who's not here this morning. I don't see him. But it was kind of funny. You all know Ted Sally. He was the first preacher I've ever heard <laughs> speak the truth. Yeah. So this should lead us to want to do evangelism and, and preaching, how important that is to spread the word. We 
come to faith, God uses people that are bringing the word, or if you're like Calvin, I guess he sat down and read the Bible, and it was revealed, the truth was revealed to him that way. Um, which will develop a hunger for the word. Who here has experienced that when you heard the truth and you became a Christian, just had a hunger for the word, just like could not put it down? I was that way. I just could not get enough. I'd sit in bed at night, <laughs> all hours, just reading, reading, reading. 1 Peter 2.2 says, Like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word, so by it you may grow in respect to salvation. So this may bring a question to you. You say, well, if you're supposed to long for it, but you're saying it's a, it's a gift that's given to us, this is where it gets complicated. There's a co-responsibility. God is, yes, completely in control, yet we are completely responsible for our sins. And if you, that's like a whole nother rabbit trail. And Andrew has agreed to stay after service today and have a five hour discussion with anybody who would like to have it. (laughs) So the simple answer is I don't know and I don't have to know. That's why I have faith. God is much bigger and smarter than me. And this would be a good discussion for later. Anyway. The, this brings us to order of salvation, just kind of see where we are. When we have election, we touched on that. Um, that's God's choice of people to be saved from eternity past. Two, the gospel call, we just touched on that, proclaiming the message of the gospel, whether you're reading the Bible, somebody's giving you a track, you show up at a church for some reason you don't really know why because God's pushing you there, whatever it is. Regeneration, being born again. And if you're a 1990s country music fan, I'm not talking about the Brooks and Dunn song. I saw the light, I've been baptized. No. Being born again. If you want to read more about being born again, you can go to John chapter 3, where Jesus is having a discussion with Nicodemus. Conversion, faith and repentance is what we're talking about. Then justification, the right legal standing, adoption, membership in God's family, sanctification, the right Conduct of life, also increasing our faith, perseverance, remaining in Christ. Um, if you go to 1 John 2, 19, it says that they went out from us, they were not really of us, for if they were of us, they would have remained with us. Then 9, uh, death, going to be with the Lord, and 10, glorification, receiving a resurrection body. And some of us may think they have already received the resurrection body, but they Okay, so continuing on, wrought by the ministry of the word, by which also, and by the administration of baptism and the Lord's Supper, prayer, and other means appointed of God, it is increased and strengthened. That being our faith is increased and strengthened. So what does that mean? What does it mean to have your faith increased and strengthened? Nobody? Leave the milk and eat the steak. <laughs> okay. Open the baby food and get to the real food. You can't do that without getting stronger. Very good. Your faith is encouraged, right? You're, like you were saying earlier, like you become hungry, and, and because of that, you, you grow. Less dependency upon yourself and more on Christ. Amen. 
all very good answers. So some of the things they've put in here that will increase and strengthen our faith, the first two, uh, baptism and the Lord's Supper, um, some would call them ordinances and some would call them sacraments. So most Protestant uh, denominations would call them ordinances because they don't want to call them sacraments because that would remind them too much of being Catholic. However, most Reformed churches do refer to them as sacraments because they're not scared of the Catholics and they'd love to have a debate with them about that. (laughs) But the Catholic version of sacraments is more of a works-based salvation. They say, you have to take the Lord's Supper every week or you're not going to heaven. You know, you have to... um, Go to confession, and the priest will say, oh, you stole two candy bars? You need to do 50 Hail Marys and 10-hour fathers every day for the next 10 days, and then you'll be forgiven. And we, don't, we do not believe in that. So, what is baptism? Baptism is our public profession of our faith. Can you have saving faith without ever being baptized or ever having the Lord's Supper? Yes. But by being baptized and having the Lord's Supper every week, does that mean you have saving faith? So prayer, the next one is prayer. How does prayer increase our faith? Well, you're asking, are you asking God for help? Do you get to see God in action? It's, uh, we are allowed to, to speak to the creator. It increases our dependence on God. Amen. Amen. Very good. Then it says other means. So what I get out of other means is things I wrote down were struggles, trials, uh, fellowship. You may ask, well, how do struggles and trials increase your faith? (laughs) How do struggles and trials increase your faith? Well, you come out the other side and you become more dependent on him. And it, it's not always the way we would want it to turn out, but ultimately we know it's, it's for our best and it's for his glory and uh, not for our comfort. Um, so, so far, just through paragraph one, God chooses us. He sends someone to preach the word. We hear it. He gives us faith. He gives us the Bible, prayer, baptism, the Lord's Supper, fellowship, struggles to increase that faith. It's a gift, and God is completely in control of everything, yet we are completely responsible uh, for our own decisions and, and sins. Is that any questions so far? Pretty simple stuff. Okay. Paragraph two. By this faith, a Christian believeth to be true, whatsoever is revealed in the word for the authority of God himself and also apprehendeth an excellency therein above all other writings and all things in the world as it bears forth the glory of God in his attributes, the excellency of Christ in his nature and offices and the power and fullness of the Holy Spirit in his workings and operations. So, by faith, a Christian believes the Bible. 
Acts 24, 14 says, But this I admit to you, that according to the way, which they call a sect, I do serve the God of our fathers, believing everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets. So I guess the first question is, what is the way? What's that? It's basically Christianity. It's what they called Christianity back in the day. So that would be, actually be a really cool name for a church like the way. Um, so faith leads us to, to believe that in, the inerrancy of Scripture. Um, what, what's the difference, I guess, between apologetics and faith? Can you argue someone into salvation? No. Not in our strength alone. Right. And I think it really depends on the style of apologetics, too. Okay. If you argue an evidential or a classical, what you're going to come up with is basically a deism. But if you go to presuppositional, so you start with the Word of God, and you start with God, and you conclude with God of the Bible. I think it's good, too, to remember that apologetics is a defense of the faith, right? It's not a, I'm going to make you believe in the faith, but I'm going to be able to defend it using this as, you know, as a way to help, helpfully describe what I believe. Always be ready, you know, to give an account for what you believe. The Bible says you use that to shut the mouth of the person. I can't say the faith Shut the mouth of the critics. All very good. It should give us peace that God is in control. When, when we evangelize, when we, when we speak the truth to people, we, we can realize that this is a God thing. It's not about the cleverness of my argument or the cleverness of my words. Um, when no one gets to Nineveh, he preaches a five-word sermon. When Jonah gets to Nineveh, he preaches a five-word sermon and it says, even the cows repented. <laughs> That's right there telling you who's doing the work. Yeah. So I, a, f- a few months ago, I flew to, uh, I had to fly to North Carolina. And um, I was really excited because I haven't flown in a while. And when I fly, I always like bring my Bible and I try to like have conversations with the person next to me. So I studied up. Like I wanted my conversation to be seasoned with salt and like I, I was all ready, and I get on the plane. And I was so excited to see who was going to be sitting next to me because I was just going to let him have it. And the lady spoke no English. <laughs> like, <laughs> nothing. God just said, had fun with me. It was kind of, was kind of funny. She actually spoke perfect English. Yeah, <laughs> probably. But she did get to see me read and study the Bible for the entire trip. So maybe that had an impact on her. <clears throat> So, can a person have saving faith and not fully believe in the inerrancy of Scripture? Yes. Who said that? They, uh, I did. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. But not for long. Also true. I, I would say that I, I was going to church for about a year, and the, I was in a Bible study one day, and they were talking about Noah's Ark and this and that, and I was like, wait a minute, you guys actually believe this? <laughs> and so I think that there is, 
is definitely a growing process, the sanctification. As, as our faith increases through study and, and the other things we talked about, boom. And then it just hit me, and I believe it completely, everything in the Bible. So there definitely is, it definitely is possible for, for a time, as Ted said, for you not to necessarily believe that and have saving faith. <clears throat> so, biblical truths that are revealed in Scripture, God's authority, His glory, His attributes, Christ's nature, Christ's offices, the Holy Spirit's workings, and operation, etc., etc. Um, then it says, so is enabled to cast his soul upon the truth. So when you have saving faith, and you've come to that point, you're enabled to cast your soul upon the truth, thus believed, and also acteth differently upon that which each particular passage thereof containeth, yielding obedience to the commands, trembling at the threatenings, and embracing the promise, promises of God for this life and that which is to come. So, faith in God's word, the Bible, leads us to cast our souls upon the truth revealed. Obedience to God's commands, even the ones we don't really like. Trembling at the threatenings. A healthy fear of the Lord. Somebody want to look up Psalm 111.10 real quick? One eleven ten. Amen. What, what is the difference between a healthy fear of the Lord and an unhealthy fear of the Lord? Should the fear of the Lord be paralyzing? For the unsaved. For the unsaved. I, I think this is important because um, a lot of the theology you're going to get today you are not going to get trembling at threatenings. You're going to get Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus wants you to have an, an awesome life, Jesus wants you to have this Ferrari, yada, yada, yada. And um, missing very important parts of doctrine. So, healthy fear of the Lord. Embracing God's promises for this life in the next so examples would be for the next, for this life and the next, salvation. Um, things like obey your parents and it'll go well for you. How about um, being equally yoked? How important is that as a commandment? And, you know, so there are things, there are promises on there in the Bible that will help us lead a better life, a more holy life. Um, obey your parents, equally yoked, and it will go well with you. Um, the next section, but the principal acts of saving faith have immediate relation to Christ, accepting, receiving, and resting 
upon him alone for justification, sanctification, and eternal life by virtue of the covenant of grace. Grace. Saving faith, immediate relation to Christ. So accepting, um, remember we can't do that on our own. Uh, receiving, resting on him alone for justification, sanctification, and eternal life. Um, I like this example in Matthew, uh, where, where this is Jesus talking to the apostles. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. So did Peter come to this revelation on his own? No, it was, it was revealed to him. Um, covenant of Grace, Acts 15, 11 says, But we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way as they also are. Amen. Question? Yes. Clarification? Yes. Does it rest on him alone for justification, sanctification, eternal life? Sanctification, we work with that. It's not just God working alone, because it's work out your own salvation, you're determined if it's God who acts in the within you. Okay. I'm sure that's true. And who, who are you trusting in the results of that? But it's Christ. But we work Amen. With to co. People, you know, that, oh, I'm saved, and now God will work in me, and I have to do nothing. Very true. By the Spirit. Yeah. By the Word, studying. Did you say church attendance? Uh, no. Oh. oh. Okay, paragraph three. <clears throat> this faith, although it be different in degrees, and may be weak or strong, yet it is the least degree of it different in the kind of nature of it, as is all other saving grace from the faith and common grace of temporary believers. That was like a mouthful. This faith, although it be different in degrees, and may be weak or strong, yet it is the least, is in the least degree of it different in the kind of, or nature of it as is all other saving grace from the faith of common grace of temporary believers. So the origin of saving faith, regardless of the degree, whether it is weak or strong, the origin is the same. Does that make sense? Because you may say some, person, some people have, oh man, they have such great faith, and this person doesn't seem to be displaying as strong a faith. Well, the origin of saving faith not the origin of non-saving faith, but the origin of saving faith is the same, regardless of the degree, whether it is weak or strong. In 2 Peter 1.1, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who, are received, who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. It is not the same faith, however, as a temporary believer. 
So in Matthew 13, others fell on the rocky places. And this is, I hope you're all familiar with this uh, parable. Other, others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil and immediately sprang up because they had no depth of soil. For when the sun had risen, they were scorched. And because they had, not, had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. So we may be fooled by temporary believers. They, they spring up. They seem like they're, they're going to church and all these things. But the origin of their faith is not the same origin of saving faith. So a temporary believers even uh, may show remorse for sins. And the example of that would be Judas. Um, after he betrayed Jesus, he tried to give the money back, didn't he? Um, he felt bad. So temporary believers may show remorse for sins and enjoy common grace. What do you mean they enjoy common grace? Well, they could... Well, there's the basics. They enjoy everything that happens here on the earth, the fact that they have air to breathe and everything else. But I think in, in, in this context, um, they may be in the church going to church, surrounding themselves with other Christians and enjoying the fact that they are surrounded by Christians. And I will, I'll give you an example. Um, I have someone that's close to me, that's in my family, extended family, who is a non-believer. And I noticed that everybody that surrounds his life is a Christian. My, me and my family. And then um, he also married a Christian who takes him to church, and he goes to church. And they just had a baby, and he says that he is going to raise that baby as a Christian, bring it to church, but he is not a believer. So he, and he recognizes the fact that there's something different about Christians, and he's taking advantage of that, yet not partaking in it. He does not have saving faith, amen? So what is an, a historical or intellectual faith? Well, someone that has a historical intellectual faith, they may accept the Bible as God's word. They can agree with its teachings. They could go to church. They do not, however, trust in Christ for salvation. This faith does not save. Oh. Oops, sorry. Years ago, I'd heard uh, a sermon <laughs> about faith. Has anybody heard of the great Blandino? No? <laughs> so, I, I don't know how true this story is, but apparently there was a, a carny man or a circus guy whose name was the Great Blandino, and he put up a tightrope across Niagara Falls. And he, he went across, and he came back, and everybody's like, oh, yeah. Woo! And he got a wheelbarrow, and he goes, who thinks I can take the wheelbarrow across? And like, you, you got it. You can do it. And he goes, okay, get in the wheelbarrow. No. <laughs> so, I thought that was a good illustration of, of the difference of saving faith. <clears throat> Though our faith is tested, remember... Uh, oh, okay, let's read further into this. So... And therefore, though it may be many times assailed and weakened, yet it gets the victory. And so... Um, Though our faith is tempted, 
are tested. Remember Nathaniel's graph last week? So once you, you are saved, you're past that. It was like a barrier he had. There are up and downs. Your faith is tested, but you do not go back down below that unsaved line. And so there are struggles, and that's part of our sanctification. That's like our increasing in faith. Does that make sense? And ultimately, saving faith gets the victory. So saving faith will lead to victory over death and eternal life. Amen? 1 John 5.4 says, For whoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So back up to the paragraph 3, it says, Growing up in many to the attainment of a full assurance through Christ, who is both the author and finisher of our faith. So what does growing up in many to the attainment of a full assurance through Christ mean? Anybody have a decent answer? I was kind of confused on the many myself. And I still haven't found clarification. Um, growing up in the many, that could be many, I guess it could be many believers, or it could be in many different ways in our, our, our own lives or our own walk. Um, either way, it's growing up as we're sanctified, as we go through struggles, as we read in our Bible, as the word is preached to us, or as you're teaching the word and studying. Your faith is growing and it grows to a full assurance through Christ. Amen? Hebrews, 13, uh, Hebrews 11, 1 through 3 says, and Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. And then Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near with a f sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So this is tricky because we, we had a discussion on Wednesday night. Um, one of the people in our care group has a passion for witnessing to Mormons. Um, and so, raise your hand, Andrew. Um, but he, during an interaction he had had, the, the Mormon had told him that, hey, read the Book of Mormon, and, and it will, if it rings true, like you get this feeling inside that you just know it's true. So you can, you can deceive yourself. Um, what's that? Trust your heart. That is not the full assurance we are talking about. We're not, we're not out to deceive ourselves. Um, we're not, you shouldn't be in the business of manufacturing faith. Because um, again, saving faith is, is from Christ. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Um, 
So a good definition of saving faith is uh, saving faith is trust in Jesus Christ as a living person for forgiveness of sins and eternal life with God. And that is from, I got that from Wayne Grudem in uh, that book Bible Doctrine. So saving faith is trust in Jesus Christ as a living person for forgiveness of sins and eternal life with God. Bottom line, saving faith, if you don't have some, get some. Are there any questions? Saving faith? And I'm done on time. Let's pray and uh, we'll get going. Father, we just thank you for everything you do, Father. Thank you for giving us saving saving faith, Lord. Um, As we go from here, This week, Lord, I pray that you would uh, put people in each of our paths that we could uh, share your truth with, Father, and and help us uh, bring the word to them. Lord, we just love you, and uh, we praise you. We give you glory, and uh, we lift up uh, Joel this morning as he brings your word, and uh, we pray for the people that come here today, Lord. If they don't know you, we pray that today would be a day of salvation. It's uh, in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.